0: Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. I always say that and I always mean it. Let's see what the quote on the street is today. I call it the buzz. Okay. Quote from Stefan Napo, NAPPO Global, Chief Information Security Officer at Societe Generale International Banking, and he was named the 2018 Global CISO of the Year. So listen up. Here's the quote. One of the main cyber risks is to think they don't exist. The other is to try to treat all potential risks. I think, as my grandmother used to say, I just said a mouthful. Very interesting. So what are we talking about? The sharp rise in global cybersecurity threats could cost $2 trillion, I said trillion with a T, by 2019, and we're almost at September 1st, 2018, so that's not far away. This is four times the number of the value of cybersecurity threats in 2015. Four times in less than four years. Reality check. Information security leaders should be worried. Yes, you should be losing sleep at night to an extent. Why? Phishing, that's P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G and malware attacks on your employees, your customers, your brand impersonation, your internal and your external breaches. They are bleaches. They are happening. They are real. They are not a figment of imagination and they are not scare tactics. So what are you doing about them? Is your company monitoring? Are you detecting? Are you countering the threats? What's the big deal? You've got data. You've got applications. You've got people information. Do you really want it out there being sold or used by people you don't want to have access to your information? Of course you don't. So we're going to cover today our very special topic, cybersecurity threats and finance. Are you protected? No, I'm not pointing a Finger at you. I'm not accusing you, but you want to listen up because we have three experts who are going to help us figure out what you need to do. Let me tell you briefly who they are, and then we'll get started. First up, I'll be introducing you to a returning panelist. It's Kevin D. Heckel, H-E-C-K-E-L, managing director at Deloitte Touche LLP. Welcoming back, Kevin. Uh I think the next guest has been on before but I'm not sure. We're going to find out Ted Keniston, director with the Security and Privacy Practice, Privacy Practice at ProTivity. I know we have had people from ProTivity on, so welcome Ted. And a new panelist for sure, Michael Goals, G O L Z. He he uh, educated me on how to pronounce his name, Senior VP and CIO of The Americas at SAP. Welcome gentlemen. Thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedules to join me today. And if you're just tuning in, this is Financial X with Game Changers. This is our longest running series in addition to my flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers. This is season seven, episode 11. If you're keeping count, I have to. So let's start out with the opening quotes. We have a quote Kevin has selected from Sir Winston Churchill, a frequent guest on our show. Sir Winston Leonard Spencer hyphen, Churchill. 1874 to 1965. I think he would be very pleased, Kevin, to know how often he is quoted on Game Changers Radio. Uh, he would never have dreamed there was such a thing as radio over the internet or what in the world was the internet, but he'd be pleased. British politician, army officer, and writer, Prime Minister of the UK from 1940 to 45 and 51 to 55. Let's leave it there. Here's the quote The pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity, the optimist sees the opportunity. In every difficulty. Kevin, how have you been?
2: I've been well. Thank you, Mommy. Thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, go ahead.
2: No problem. I I enjoy that quote. I think overall I'm an optimistic person, so I I choose to look at the the opportunity there uh, and the difficulty. Um, And then I think it fits with what we're going to discuss today. I think we're obviously at a critical time within cybersecurity, and and there's a lot of reasons to be pessimistic about the difficult challenges we face. But I think, you know, as you'll hear through myself and the other panelists today, there's a lot of reason for optimism and things that we can do to protect ourselves and and remain optimistic in this uh, challenging time. Um, And then I also happen to be the father of three preteen boys who um, find out, you know, a minor hurdle in their game or in their uh, social event or their sporting life. And they they see that as a a major reason for a complete meltdown. And I try to, you know, instill in them that there's opportunity there and they can learn from those opportunities and the difficulty that they face. So I think both professionally and personally, it was quite a fitting uh, quote.
1: I think it is, and and what concerns me about this quarter, what intrigues me rather, Kevin, is pessimist and opportunity and optimist, but when we apply to the quote, these to the quote from Stefan Napo that I opened the show with, to think that the cyber risks don't exist, let's focus on that part. So is it a realist rather than a pessimist or an optimist who says, yes, we know they're there? Yes, we have to do something about it. Yes, we have to outsmart the smart intruders. Is that the optimist we're looking for?
2: Uh, I definitely think that's some of it. I think that's a bit of a chess game. Um, and uh, certainly, you know, the adversary is working very diligently and and. and with quite a lot of resources, both uh, brain power and financial resources, depending on the actor against us so they're they 're a good adversary, but I do think you know the optimistic view is that we can position ourselves and protect ourselves uh, better.
1: Thank you very much and is this a moving target Kevin?
2: Oh, I think the target moves every day the uh, yeah. the technology changes, and the 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 complexity of the attacks change, and and thus our defenses need to be able to change uh, to that adjusting environment.
1: Yes, and the motivation of the bad boys and girls who want to be the intruders. Let's not forget those. Let's put it on a personal level. Even though we don't know who they are, we have suspicions. Thank you, Kevin. Welcome back. Ted Keniston at Protivity. Ted, have you been on with me before? Forgive me, but it's been seven years and about 5,000 guests, but I know we've had Protivity.
3: Sure, yes. You've had productivity folks on, but uh, this is my first appearance.
1: Well, I'm delighted to have you. I want to spell your last name so everybody knows, K-E-N-I-S-T-O-N, if they want to look you up. Uh, Ted has sent us a quote from John C. Maxwell, and and, uh, Ted, this is a little bit different. It's a bigger quote than what you sent me, but this is considered the full quote. John C. Maxwell wrote a book called The Fifteen Invaluable Laws of Growth, Live Them and Reach your Your Potential. And I'm not going to go through, but interestingly enough, one of his laws is the law of the rubber band. Okay, growth stops when you lose the tension, uh, the law of contribution, the law of the mirror, the law of modeling, and the law of awareness. Those are just some of them. So here's the quote, and everybody listen up. This is an important one. If you do the things you need to do when you need to do them, then someday you could do the things you want to do when you want to do them. Ted, welcome. Thank you for the great quote, and let's apply it to our topic, please. Sure. So, I, you know, I
3: first heard this quote uh, several years ago. I, I, I was sitting with my son at a big potluck for a travel lacrosse program he was getting ready to undertake for, for the summer. And um, they, they brought in a motivational speaker to several hundred kids that were going to be playing that summer. And the motivational speaker brought up this quote to, to all of the, of the kids, you know, emphasizing, you know, hey, you have to do well in school, you have to do well in your fitness and all of these things to become good lacrosse players. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it really resonated with me. Apparently, it resonated with my son Gavin, as he's, he's now actually starting his freshman year playing lacrosse um, this fall. But um, and so, so, but as I thought about it, it, it's very applicable to many things, not just you know life, but also business, and especially security, where security historically has been viewed as kind of the black hole of an organization or, or insurance to some extent. Now well, we do it mm-hmm. because we have to. Um, we don't really want to, but we're going to do it. Um, but the reality is, is and a lot of organizations would take the tactic of maybe not even doing it, you know, kind of roll the dice and take their chances. However, you have to implement sound security operations if you don't then you become a target. You will be unlikely to be able to do the things you really want to do as a business, which is grow your business and take care of your customers.
1: Thank you very much. Do you agree with my comment that you really have to outsmart and be a step or a hundred steps ahead of the the bad players? I think they call them. What's the word? They call them the uh, bad players, bad the actors. negative, bad actors. Thank you very much. I had my my theatrical metaphors mixed up. The, the bad actors and actresses. We'll just use generic actors. Uh, what's their motivation, Ted? Why are they? Is, is it because? quote unquote there's gold in them, are data hills why are why are they trying to outsmart people in companies that are saying what's going on here why, why are you intruding? The answer is there's a reason there's a motivation. What is that today
3: well there, there's, there, there's two basic tenets in information security um, that that all of us practitioners have learned throughout the years one is you're either a target of opportunity or you're a target of choice and you target of opportunity for those you know for those types of folks it, it's really you're a your target, you become a victim because you were vulnerable. Um you mm-hmm. didn't do the things you needed to do. you know it's, it's It's similar to say, not locking your doors in your house at night and you get broken into. You know somebody's just walking through the neighborhood, yep. rattling doorknobs until one mm-hmm. opens. Um, targets do. of choice, however, are are, are people that go- people have gone at them very specifically for very specific reasons. And, and, and in that type of situation, if you're a bank, well, you've got money. They want to come after you for that. If you're um, a political organization, they're going to come after you to, to make a statement, et cetera. And, and so that really drives you know, probably the basic motivations of most of the attackers out there. They're either you know, looking for a targeted opportunity or they're looking to, to target someone specifically.
1: Thank you very much. That sets us up beautifully. I really appreciate that. That's what I was looking for. There's always a source and a reason. Thank you. And we look forward to a lot more from you during the show. And now let's turn to our third panelist, Michael Goals, G-O-L-Z. And Michael has sent us an absolutely charming quote, three little words, the title of a song that Dory sings in the 2003 film Finding Nemo, and Dory, D-O-R-Y, was voiced by Ellen DeGeneres. May I read some of the lyrics to the song, Michael? Is that okay with you? Yes, please. (laughs) Okay, so the song is Just Keep Swimming, sung by Dory, Marlin, and Moonfish, and here is just a little snippet, and I will get to the line that Michael wants me to read. So. Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills, life's full of little spills. Don't throw your fins up in disgust. Oh, what's the use of floating there to going anywhere? Swish your tail and dive on in, and trust that if you just keep swimming, just keep swimming, life isn't all that grim, ugh, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. What do we do? We swim. So the line is, just keep swimming. <laughs> you thought I'd never get to it. Michael, now you know how game changers work. We're always swimming and we're always smiling. Michael Goles, how are you today?
4: Hi, I'm, I'm excellent. Hi, Bonnie.
1: Hi. Thank you for the quote. I love it. I think you had a very serious quote before that, and then you said, no, let's use just keep swimming. So who is swimming? Are we? Are you and businesses swimming against the uh, the cyber break-in tied or how, give me the metaphor here
0: yeah so
4: in preparing for the show i thought about who is an author or you know where can i take a quote from that probably has never been used before and probably won't ever be used again True. and uh, so we have a we have a little uh, competition <laughs> here in the office and the competition is there's a song for everything so for for you know, every situation we try to come up with a song or, or music videos and we put that up on the big screen to make everybody laugh again. I picked it because I think it's, it's easy to get scared and frustrated when you look at the enormity of the challenge. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of fear and a lot of, um, you know, uh, trepidation around uh, cybersecurity and p- the potential attacks and what they can mean for a company. And uh, I don't want to make light of the fact that this, these are serious challenges. Uh, but I do want to make sure that everybody takes a, a positive, uh, an optimistic view in in terms of what can be done to defend yourself against these types of attacks. Um, if you have one team that plays offense 100% of the time and there's another team, yourself, that plays defense 100% of the time, uh, it is easy to get uh, stuck in negativity. And I think it's important to, to really focus on on the task at hand, uh, you know, just keep swimming for me means uh, in terms of adversity, and we have bad actors uh, being adversaries here. Uh, it's really about making sure that you have a constant effort uh, that you stick to, uh, no complacency, and, um, again, taking the, the quote a little bit out of context, it's to me it means, uh, you know, uh, focus on... Uh, on the right things, um, you know, keep going in the right direction and and focusing your activity and your, your energy, and uh, keep on doing it. You, you can't let up.
1: Thank you very much. I think that's the key here, just keep swimming, meaning you can't give up. You have to keep. Uh, I just want to go around the panel before I do, though, where are you and what's in your cup today, and what do you do in your current role. Before we do that, I want to ask, um, is there any way to define – a specific group, I don't want to get political, but a specific group or place around the world where the bad actors are, they're in a cave somewhere, or they're in a basement, we've all heard that one. Is it com- Are the threats coming from all over the world? Is that part of why it's, it's a, a moving target and you have to just keep swimming at it? Let's start with Kevin, just quickly around the table, what are your thoughts?
2: Oh, I, I definitely think it's a global challenge that we face and certainly, um, you know, back to some of the earlier comments that were from ted i think uh you know it just depends on what their motivation is some of them are domestic a lot of them are are international actors looking for some financial gain or to uh, impact our political uh environment but uh, it's definitely a global challenge and a global problem
1: thank you very much very global ted kenniston protivity what do you think Sure. Um, echoing
3: Kevin's comments as well, I mean, it, it is global in nature. I, I think you'll you see some pockets of com- concentration that where heavy activity comes from and others where maybe it doesn't as much. I mean, you never really uh-huh. hear much of the bad activity coming out of places like I don't, Switzerland, for example. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's you know, you, you see it in, in coming out of Asia, you see it coming
1: out of Europe, South America and, and within our own borders right here. That's what I was looking for. I bet there's a lot within our borders. Yes, thank you very much. I wonder if there's an underground club of these people. Hey, I just hacked such and such. What do you think? Wow, you get three gold stars and you get an extra Pepsi with your dinner tonight when your mom picks it out of the lunchbox. I'm making this up. Michael Goals, what do you think? Where are they? I think they,
4: uh, I don't think there's a boundary of where they are not. Um, You have the Mm -hmm. typical nation state actors, you have hacktivists, you have Folks that are just looking for notoriety, and uh, in some cases you have truly criminal enterprises that have a almost like a company structure with a a main leader and somebody who takes care of the finances, and and their 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 product is is exploits, and uh, they sell them, and it's an honor based system, and if they work, um, then basically the value of the company increases, and uh, you get more business going going down, going forward. So. Um it's all, it's all over. Uh, very different motivations. And uh, I don't think you can really narrow it down to uh, a particular location. Although, obviously, when you look through the press, uh, there are certain countries where you, where you have yes. a, um, a stronger nation state aspect to, uh, to all of this.
1: Thank you all. Just want to do a reality check on the people aspect of where this is all coming from. Now, let's find out who our panelists are. Let's get a little up close and personal. Kevin D. Heckel, let's take a look at you. Where are you calling from today? What's your favorite drink in the whole world? You've done this before, and I can't remember what you told me last time, so it's okay. <laughs> and what do you do at Deloitte these days? Go ahead, Kevin.
2: Sure, so uh, it's unchanged, so this will be a good refresher. I guess uh, I have never, oddly enough, being a consultant, never developed a taste for coffee. Uh, so, and then I'm also born and bred in Ohio where I am at a client today. Um, so in my cup is uh, pop, as we would refer to it, and in particular, Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs>
1: Okay. Oh, my goodness. Uh, there are certain parts of the country, yes. And, and if you talk about a, a BAG, a bag like a lunch bag, it's called a sack in certain part of the country. And there are just here in, in Durham, I moved from New York to Durham, North Carolina one year ago yesterday. That's the anniversary of, of my move. It was a Sunday last year. And um, I was taught very quickly, you don't talk about putting food on the barbecue. You use a grill and the food is called barbecue. In New York, it's I'll get out the barbecue and we'll cook dinner. Here it's I will put the food on the grill and we'll have barbecue for dinner. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's what I've been taught here. Thank you, Kevin. And what do you do at Deloitte these days? What are you up to?
2: Sure. So uh, I'm active in client service day-to-day, uh, particularly with a focus um, in the SAP space for security control and compliance and compliance. Uh, help lead that alliance for the firm uh, and you know, spend a, a significant amount of time actually in the field with clients working on uh, exactly what we're talking about today. How do you layer the defenses and implement robust security offerings to uh, lower that thresh, threshold of risk and, and make you sort of slightly less palatable to the bad actors out there?
1: Thank you very much. And a shout-out to your colleagues. We value Deloitte so much. Carla Neal, Helen Thomas, Amanda Bush, uh, three ladies who keep us who keep our pipeline filled with interesting people like you to be on our panel discussion. So, Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Ted Kinniston of Protivity, where art thou? What do you love to drink the most? Any kind of beverage? And what do you do?
3: Um, hey, Bonnie. I'm, I'm working from our Atlanta offices today. And as far as uh, my drink uh, currently right now, it's it's Coke Zero. Um, you know, moving down here to Atlanta from Michigan a few years ago, I had to learn that uh, we don't use the term down here, pop, anymore. I had to change that. <laughs> and oftentimes, most things are called a Coke in many cases. But uh, you won't find a Pepsi around the Atlanta area very easily. So.
1: That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, okay. We used to have Coke delivered by the, we, we used to have a bakery guy who delivered uh, Dugan's Bakery to our house. We used to have a milk delivery man. We used to have a soda delivery, came on a truck. Did anybody on this call remember those days when you had all of these things? This was before you could just get stuff on Amazon and have it almost drone shipped <laughs> to your roof. Does anybody remember the delivery people who brought the products right to our door? Dead silence. Okay, I'm the, I'm the I'm the only boomer on the call, as I used to say. Those are the days. Okay, so so let's go to. And uh, what do you do?
3: Well, um, you know, a lot, especially of a uh, recent, a uh, few months, has been a heavy focus in the privacy arena. Um, GDPR has become very popular. Um, you know, not mm-hmm. not so much uh, in, in Europe as it has been around for a while here, but it you know went live in May of this year, and, and a lot of U.S. organizations have it's really gotten their attention because it, it really has a, a borderless um, restraint to it. It's it's not just in Europe; it's covering so many different organizations around the world, and it's it's been a heavy focus for us. And um, that combined with I've also been heavily involved in a lot of uh, PCI or credit card security. Um, efforts um, as well. So that's, that's been occupying a lot of my time lately.
1: Okay, well, nice to have you and hello to your colleagues at Protivity who've been on with us before. And now let's go one more stop around the table, Michael Goals, Senior VP and CIO of the Americas at SAP. Very honored to have you on today, Michael. And I can't stop smiling about the just keep swimming quote and how your group, how your team loves to have, there's always a song for something. That's, that's a gem. So where are you? What do you love to drink? What powers you? And what is your role? Yeah, so I'm
4: in uh, Newtown Square, Pennsylvania today, close to Philadelphia. Uh, one of the few days actually in the office. And uh, it's, it's a hot day outside, uh, but a beautiful day. I'm on my uh, fourth cup of uh, Illy Espresso. That's what keeps me going in <laughs> the morning. Um, if you ask me what I, where I would like to be and what I would like to drink, it probably would be a Hefeweizen taking a break during a skiing trip uh, to Utah or some mm-hmm. nice place. Uh, we have a, a group of uh, German SAP colleagues. We go skiing every year in, over the uh, Super Bowl weekend, and uh, so we typically go to Utah, and uh, that's one of the traditions, and uh, that, that would probably be uh, the place to pick and the, the drink to pick a Hefeweizen in, in Utah.
1: That sounds delicious. Wonderful. And what is your role?
4: Yes, I'm CIO for the Americas region of SAP. Um, In that role, I also talk to a lot of customers about how SAP runs its own applications, its own solutions, uh, sharing experiences about that. Um, In this context, we have more and more included security in those conversations. What we have observed is that um, some customers still see applications as, as separate from their infrastructure and uh, the, me- the methodology and the, the uh, you know, technologies they apply to secure applications versus their infrastructure are very different. So that's one of the things that I uh, talk to customers about and, and bring in some best practices and some experiences from how these things can come together because ultimately uh, you want to protect yourself, you want to protect the data in the application as as well as the uh, application transactions themselves.
1: Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. And uh, again, I appreciate the time from all three of our panelists. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm based here, as I said, in Durham, North Carolina. It's a beautiful sunny day. And they and Michael, I don't know who they are, but I think it's somebody in the SAP sphere. Maybe I just invented them, the they. They don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And this is my <laughs> second show in the space of three hours. So now you know why. You probably figured it out. No caffeine for Bonnie. Happy to be here. I'm just drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a yellow straw. I picked the straw based on the color of the sky and there's sunshine out today and that's where the yellow comes from. Looking out at my beautiful garden and the spinner in the garden that goes in two directions. It's jewel-colored plastic inserts and in, it's actually glass and they spin with the slightest bit of wind and it just tells me that the world is moving and moving and I need to move with it and so there you go. Here I sit doing radio. This is Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio. This is a hot topic. If you haven't paid attention to it before, you'd better soon. Cybersecurity threats and finance is your company protected? We're going to find out more about protection, about the bad actors, about what you can do to protect the data that's so precious to you and your clients and your intellectual property and everything related to privacy and proprietary in the finance office. So CIOs and everybody, CFOs, C-everything-Os, this is an important topic. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to start our roundtable in earnest. Our special panelists today are Kevin D. Heckel at Managing Director at Deloitte & Touche LLP, Ted Keniston, Director with the Security and Privacy Practice at ProTivity, P-R-O-T-I-V-I-T-I, if you want to look them up, and Michael Gull, Senior VP and CIO of the Americas at SAP. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be back, I promise. Aaron out!
0: When it comes to
2: business, you'll find the experts here.
0: Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. S4 HANA powered by SAP is a part of SAP S4 HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP S4 HANA Finance draws upon innovative in-memory mobile and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more about SAP S4 HANA Finance at SAP.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now. Let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers.
1: Absolutely. We're looking for excellence in the finance department because bad actors are out there trying to steal your data. Yes, they are. And that's the reality check. Kevin Heckel at Deloitte, Ted Kennison at Protivity, Michael Goals at SAP, and I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to dive into our roundtable and let's see what Kevin told me before the show. Here we go. Quote, a holistic approach to cybersecurity is critical to your company's defenses. The days of the application erp being a safe black box are long over. Kevin, good setup. Tell us more please.
2: Sure, and I think some of this echoes back to comments Michael made just shortly before the the break here, but it, it I started with the firm about 20 years ago as a hands-on security developer actually within uh, SAP and back then we worried about getting the roles and uh, right for the users and, and sort of just within our application we we took the assumption that the infrastructure was fine because the client was already operating it or the database was secure because they had previous installs of it and you know then we expanded the portal and we just assumed if we put it behind the customer's portal and users were already coming in that way that that was secure. So I think whether you look at it from an infrastructure or outward facing, we made a lot of assumptions that uh, don't exist today. I mean, the complexity, the interconnectivity of the ERPs and what that means to the business um, really drive a different level of cohesiveness to the structure. Also, if you just look organizationally, lots of clients sort of set up a ERP governance group separate from their IT group or that was specific and business enablement was a key versus, you know, Putting that under or, at best, a dotted line back to IT, I think the the marriage between the CISO's office and the support of critical applications um, has to happen and continues to evolve at many of my clients. I think also when you consider things like vulnerability management, uh, SIM monitoring, um, patch management, all of those things weigh in. to the overall risks that you're facing, whether that be at the application or the infrastructure level. So, I think if you don't take that holistic look, if you're not looking at that, you'll you'll create a blind spot, which will open the opportunity for an event that you don't want. Also, as I look forward, uh, just briefly, think of the power of being able to enable, you know, sim events some contextualization from your ERP or your HR organizational data, and maybe patch management, and really being able to drive into your organization what is our true risk versus looking at these as separate silos. So I think clients are moving towards this, and I think we need to do better and continue this evolution um, in cyber. Otherwise, we're going to face, again, those blind spots that will lead to challenges and lead to headlines that aren't favorable.
1: Yeah, and we want to avoid those. Thank you, Kevin. Ted Keniston at Protivity. Please join us. Thoughts on what Kevin just shared?
3: Ted? Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, holistic approach is, you know, it is very critical, now, and not just today, but it always has been. The problem is is that it hasn't been viewed that way in the past. I remember, you know, many, many years ago when I first got into consulting, my, my first client engagement, I stepped on site, and, you know, I just had a general discussion. Hey, tell me about your security posture. And the answer was, we have a firewall. We're, we're secure, um, and I and I just started kind of shaking my head. It's and and that that was their whole reliance was they had put a firewall in. You know, we dug a little deeper. They they plugged a the firewall in, but they didn't configure it properly. Mm-hmm. And so, it, but to them that was that was security. Um, you know, so. It, the education of our of organizations today is, is, is so critical. It's really the price of entry, if you will, in, in day-to-day business operations for any organization. And we're not talking just day-to-day security operations, but day-to-day business. Because without you know, the security in place in a holistic nature or a layered approach, if you will, um, you're not going to be able to run your business effectively and securely. Customers expect you're going to protect their information and their data, and you have to take those the proper steps to do it. And you know, simple approaches anymore really just doesn't cut it. So you do have to apply that that very holistic approach that's that's pretty comprehensive across
1: the spectrum. Thank you, Michael. Thoughts?
4: Yeah, I mean, I will take a slightly different approach to mm-hmm. the same question and and talk about how you know, what? what is happening generally in, in the global economy, what we're seeing is that companies are opening up their systems and processes to customers, right? People are um, providing these hyper-personalized customer experiences, which means they need to gather much more information about the consumer, their preferences, they're going to store that data somewhere. Then, based on that experience, they have to potentially manufacture um, Products based on a, what we call lot size of one. So you know you configure a shoe um, in in a retail online retail store. So you have to they have to manufacture that particular shoe, which will be unique. Which means that they have to connect their supply chain. Uh, into the entire business process. So now what you've done is you have opened up your system towards the customer. You've opened up your systems towards an extended supply chain. Uh, You're bringing bringing in uh, contingent labor to to handle uh, peaks in your production. So your systems become, they're exposed to much broader processes that transcend the the company boundaries. So the, the whole notion of everything that is mission critical sits behind, you know, fifteen firewalls and, and that's how we protect. Uh that's no longer true. And, and and with this more with this bigger interconnectedness uh increases the, the need to have this holistic security posture and, and looking at it at the end to end process and everything involved in the process, be it infrastructure, be it applications, be it the security of your suppliers and customers.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, quickly, let's go back to Kevin. Anything you want to add to what your two co-panelists have shared with us?
2: Oh No, I think uh, I mean we're all in agreement with this and, and working day-to-day with our clients and our customers to drive this out. I think they're, they're good points around the, the process view and the holistic nature.
1: Thank you very much. Ted Keniston, Protivity I'm looking at your notes. So many good places to go, but let's talk about something that's a little dramatic here and probably deservedly so. You say data protection has become the crown jewels. Historically, businesses felt their security efforts should be focused on keeping the bad guys out. Why don't you take us to why the crown jewels? Is it that important? And, And also, please answer my curiosity do we have an office of cybersecurity in, in financial institutions and or in the regular CFO team departments in any company? How popular is this? How, how urgent is it that is there somebody who's chief cybersecurity officer? Is that a title? Go ahead.
3: So, yeah, so, so the crown jewels, I mean, it, you know, if you look in the past, um, you know, it, the, the, the protection focus was on, the, per- the perimeter, the systems, maybe reputation. But if you look at the way our the society society's evolved and business is evolved, it's, it's heavily data focused. So just about every organization collects um, piles upon piles of data from you online. Just go to a mm-hmm. website for five minutes and you'd be amazed at the amount of data that's collected. And so consequently, protection of that data has become absolutely critical, whether it's you're protecting my credit card information, my social security number, or just my name, phone number, and address. Again, there's that expectation that we all have that when, when I go somewhere, if you have my information, you're going to protect it. Unfortunately, here in the United States, organizations tend to take the, the attitude of, once I have your data, it's mine to do with it as I want. And And so what you're seeing now, and it's being heavily influenced by other parts of the world, is... Uh, not only expectation, but legislation coming into place that's really driving organizations to focus more on data protection. You know, if, if we go back to the holistic approach here, you know, I think we're doing a better job of getting organizations in the mindset of protecting in that layered approach and not just relying upon one or two different facets. Um, so, so we're getting a lot of the, 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 the tools and the technology in place. Now we've got to get the mindset around what is it that we're actually protecting, and the process behind that? And That's really what's what's driving, I think, a lot of that that migration towards data data protection as being the most critical action nowadays.
1: Thank you very um, much. Also, yep,
3: keep going. And, mm-hmm. I, and I was going to say, as far as your question on uh, chief cybersecurity yeah. officer, so uh, nowadays, there you know, a very common title is the chief information security officer in organizations. Um, often they're reporting up to the C-suite or part of the C-suite and reporting directly to board of directors. Um, as far as one for chief cybersecurity officer, it, it, there are a few out there. It just depends on the organization and how they're structuring that function. Um, we're still a ways away from it becoming, you know, kind of hundred percent adoption of having somebody hundred percent fo- focused and dedicated on information security responsibility, but we're, we're, Uh, miles as far as as ahead of where we used to be in the past, and and it it is getting that attention at that executive level now with with accountability being put in place.
1: Thank you very much. Michael Goals, please join us. Thoughts? A lot of interesting information that Ted just shared.
4: Yeah, so in in my mind, uh, data protection is really uh, all about trust. We can talk about regulations and, uh, let's say, the external frameworks that are being imposed on companies, but ultimately it's about... Keep, you know, generating, keeping, maintaining trust with your employees, with your customers, with your uh, vendors, and, uh, and making sure that data that is shared uh, is, is protected. What I find interesting with the, the recent regulations is that not only do you need to protect the information and notify if something bad happened, but you also need to document what is the purpose for which you're actually collecting the data in the first place. So we're going beyond just protecting what we've collected. We're going into the proof that it's actually necessary to get the data and then protect what you have. Um, so I think it's, it's, we're going far beyond the traditional let's protect the data that we, that we have collected. And when you think about things like uh, in the EU, the, the right to be forgotten, uh, and we mm-hmm. correlate that with data protection for a second, yes. uh, traditional systems were never built with the intention to delete master data um, and, and you know, consistently across uh, multiple applications at the same time because one person wants to have data deleted. That's not actually a trivial task, right, to remove one person's information from... Yep all the invoices that you've ever written, including, you know, uh, masking access to backups and, on, and so on and so forth. So data protection, not a, not a trivial topic. Uh, I think the regulation is very comprehensive around this, and it all comes down to, to trust. It goes way beyond the, the regulations themselves. It's about uh, trust, keep, keeping and maintaining uh, trust, and it ultimately becomes part of your enterprise risk management to manage the risk of having uh, data breaches and, and highly publicized uh, issues around that.
1: Thank you very much. Let's go around the table to Kevin at Deloitte. Kevin, what are your thoughts?
4: Sure,
2: so I agree completely with Ted and Michael and I guess I would take uh, this view of it. It, The the analysis and prioritization or risk ranking of the data is critical to your defenses so that you understand why and what you're defending. So, you know, back to some of the earlier comments that we've made, you know, it used to be about hardening the exterior and letting nobody in. Well, okay, once they're in then, do they get everything? And and in today's world, the the layered approach, the ability to segregate um, and really control within the organization and, and sort of phase-off portions, if you will, to make it more challenging to get to certain things, such as the Crown Jewel data, is really the key to the overall success. The one hardened exterior is not there. Um, It doesn't exist today. It's easily penetrable compared to what there was. So this layer of security is is really the key defense mechanism, and you can't really appropriate layer if you don't understand the data that you have, the value of that data, and then what level of protection thus that should drive. Um, And then I would also go to, you know, while I would admit there's probably some luck of the draw, um, you know we can't underscore the value of the trust in the business relationship, whether that be B2B or B2C. Um, so once that trust is broken, it's very hard to regain. So I definitely think the data is the key to all of this, both from a security posture perspective as well as to uh, operate your business perspective. And um, I agree completely with Ted around uh, understanding your data so that you can protect those ground jewels.
1: Thank you very much, Ted, you want to quickly wrap this one up? I have plenty of time. I'm going to go to some statements from Michael next, but what are your thoughts sure. on what your co-panelists go ahead?
3: Sure no I mean you know all of their their comments are, are you know are, are great and, and very you know very much in line I think with where I was trying to get with this particular topic. I think the one thing that that, that we're seeing that that ties into data protection is um, a kind of a, a, a merger between Data protection security and privacy it's it's starting to become one and the same as as time goes on. You're starting to see a lot of privacy um, expectations um, being around security and protection. It's not just you know signing a notification that I received my um, notice at, at the doctor's office anymore. Um, it's, you know, what are you doing to protect it? What controls do you have in place? I have that expectation, you know, to, to, to Kevin's comments about uh, that trust nature between you and, and the company that you've given information to. And and as we continue to move on, we're, we're going to see uh, more and more of that merger between privacy and security and becoming one, you know, with the focus on, you know, not only just an organization's security, but that data protection piece as well.
1: Thank you very much. Good roundtable. And Michael Gols, let's take a look at some very interesting topics here. Michael, I don't usually do this, but there are two topics here that really intrigue me. I'm going to give you a choice of where you'd like to go. First up you talk about something any consumer knows anybody who has internet access any devices that are connected ransomware and malware and you say ransomware and malware still get attention ransomware attacks like the WannaCry and Petya not Petya worms grab headlines how have they avoided detection by signature based antivirus software the creators uncover specific weaknesses to exploit to avoid discovery. That's one. I think that's very popular. Everybody knows about that. The other one relating to, we were just talking about protecting the data, the crown jewels, cloud security fears can be overcome. So where would you like to go, Michael?
4: I would like to go to cloud security because I think this is one of the most interesting uh, developments over the last uh, two to three years. If you had asked, um, let's say, the, uh, the common CIO a couple of years ago, is uh, moving to the cloud an upgrade or a downgrade to your security, um, you probably would not have gotten a, a, a clear response saying that, you know what, I think that a cloud c- uh, service provider has a broader set of resources and tools to protect applications and data than I will ever have if I try to do this myself. And uh, I think that has changed very quickly, very dramatically within the span of, let's say, three to five years, maybe expand this a little bit more. And uh, I find that, that really interesting that um, uh, you know, the, the reality has set in that this is a, a terribly complex topic to address. There is a significant resource shortage all around the globe to, um, to, you know, to, to cover and, and, and attack cybersecurity challenges. Uh, how can we make sure that we protect ourselves best? And in some cases, it's actually better to release some of the control that you think you need and, uh, and really partner up with, uh, with cloud providers and understand what their security models are, how they uh, secure data and applications, and, and then really you know, rely to some extent uh, on the service delivery of those providers uh, because again, they from a resource perspective, technology perspective, methodologies, understanding of security, um, um, uh, you know, uh, strategies and security theory, um, they may be in a better place than you can ever be yourself.
1: Thank you very much. You think those fears are being eased, or do you think there's companies are standing on the sidelines and saying, "Well, we understand all the benefits of cloud, but we just can't take that risk. It just is too much of a of a new frontier." Is that holding true for anybody today?
4: I, I think that it's um, it's being discussed in, in virtually any, every company that I know of. Uh, it is security is a, a key component in every uh, cloud discussion with with service providers, and there's typically a very extensive. Conversation around what goes into the agreements, uh, mm-hmm. what is being covered through certifications of the service providers, and um, and that I mean it is a huge topic, uh, but it is not something that is uh, unsolvable. Uh, in some cases, you have regulatory requirements that make it a little bit harder, uh, but overall, I would say for the average company, uh, I would I would basically by now make a statement that for the average company, uh, going to infrastructure-as-a-service, platform-as-a-service, or software-as-a-service providers, uh, on average, is an upgrade to uh, the security posture.
1: Thank you. Great topic. I'm glad you picked that one. I just wanted to get the malware in there because I thought people would say, yeah, I've heard of that one. Uh, Forgive (laughs) me for that. Let's go around the table. Kevin Heckle at Deloitte. Thoughts on cloud security fears, founded, unfounded, grounded, ungrounded. How do we get past them?
2: Sure. I I, I think... there's two things that I would uh, throw out there to keep in mind. And one is understanding to some of Michael's points, understanding what does it really mean you're not absolved of your risk. You're not absolved of some responsibility here, right? It's, it's different. And I would agree that the cloud providers, uh, often have leading edge and, and candidly a vested stake right, in keeping your data very secure and resources that they can basically pool similar to the, what they do for the infrastructure side of things. So understanding what they're really going to be responsible for and then understanding what now you are still have to be cognizant of and responsible for and you know the enhanced uh, data transitions and, and passing the data back and forth and such and, and just sort of making sure you understand that landscape as you move to cloud, um, it, it, it is a great. Answer, but it's not. You know, there's there are still responsibilities, um, and then secondly, I think that the the criticality of some of the other things that we talked about still exists. So, you know, if we look back to the topic, you know, if you look at phishing and malware, and and some of these things that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, malware can still. Uh, impact uh, your local PCs. Phishing campaigns are still going to come into your email. So these these real threats that sort of start the cracks and start the crevices exist, whether you're in a cloud environment or if you're on a on-prem solution. So I I think, you know, it is a great solution, but you just need to understand the dynamics and understand that it doesn't absolve you of a lot of uh, prioritization and a lot of challenge in the cyber world that you need uh, to stay cognizant of.
1: Right, You can't say, we didn't know that, can you? No, that's, that's not a good defense anymore. We weren't aware. Of course not. Ted Keniston of Protivity, love to get your thoughts on cloud. Let's keep it to about a minute and a half because we are sure. almost officially in the crystal ball predictions round. So, Kevin, get ready for yours. But, Ted, go ahead, join me, please.
3: Yep. Right so so we've we've all been working with, with cloud services for years you know all the way back to when the first email accounts were created online for yahoo and google and so forth um, you know it was all cloud services so it's so cloud is not new to people it's not new to organizations but um, you know continuing to outsource more of those important functions to them is, is you know is a bit of a change and there's still some fear out there that's that's warranted however um, you, you know, it, it's similar to, to the points just being made. There's some economies of scale that uh, cloud providers can provide, and and with that comes you know the investment in resources and technologies and talent that can help secure uh, the services uh, being provided. In in many cases, much better than than what you can do yourself. But at the end of the day, it comes down to two things: risk management. What's your talents for risk, both internally and externally? as well as your, your investment. You know, where are you looking to spend your money on security? you gonna outsource that to somebody or are you going to manage that yourself internally?
1: Kevin D. Heckel, it's time for your prediction. Sixty seconds. Look into the future as far as you like, but not farther than twenty twenty five, and tell us what will change about this topic. Cybersecurity threats and finance, will it get any better? Will it get any easier? Kevin, sixty seconds, what do you see?
2: so i i don't think it's going to get easier i i think the challenges will remain the actors will will continue so I guess my hope slash crystal ball projection would be that we could drive cooperation on the good side, if you will. Um, I hear more and more from my clients asking what others are doing in the space and, and also more taking advantage of conferences and data sharing between groups. Right now, we're all playing as our own team against this the similar adversaries. I think the, the industry itself could benefit from increased cooperation between uh, like-minded competitors at least uh, to share information on the cybersecurity front and defend each other uh, versus each taking on the battle themselves. So I hope that happens in the next two to three years.
1: Thank you. For, oh, I like that. I like that proximity. Two to three years is good. That means, oh, that's right around 2021, maybe, you think? Right about there?
2: Sure. I, I think some organizations are, you know, they're reaching out to their competitors and and folks in similar industries a lot more than than has happened in the past. So I think it's starting and I I think it will just continue.
1: Thank you very much. Ted Keniston, Protivity, I saved 60 seconds for you. That's all we've got. Go ahead.
3: Sure. Sure. I think what we're going to see, you know, I'm going to kind of use a time frame between the next two to four years um, is, is a U.S.-based security slash privacy compliance regulation or law, uh, one mm. that's, that's, you know, federal across the United States. And the reason is right now with, with GDPR having gotten the attention of a lot of organizations in the U.S., oh, yeah. um, U.S. organizations, U.S. governments are not very happy about being regulated mm. by Europe. Um, for some of these things, and so I think, you know, what we're going to see is the U.S. develop its own, um, so that we have control over, you know, over those activities a little more. And it wouldn't surprise me to also see some of the uh, regulation that comes through in that nature. Maybe even be a little contradictory to some of the, the ones coming out of Europe or Asia, just so that we establish that control. And but a lot of depend on how our current administration you know, when they want to pursue that, either before or after, you know, uh, upcoming elections in a couple of years. But uh, it is inevitable that we will have a a U.S.-based security and privacy uh, framework that, that all organizations will have to follow in some fashion.
1: Isn't that interesting? You know, GDPR has affected Game Changers Radio. You all had to sign a consent form that you agreed to give me your bio and your photo to post on a guest directory. And uh, I have to go back to May 25th. Every guest on every show, we have 17 series. Anybody who appeared May 25th or later has to sign that. And if not by a certain date, we have to pull down, even if they just don't know about it or just don't receive the email or, or forget about it, we have to pull down their bio and their photo as part of the privacy protection. So even we are, uh, yes, it's more complicated than that. Trust me. Michael Goals, I saved 60 seconds for you. They're all yours. Please go ahead.
4: I would like to go back to a Gartner prediction from 2016 for the year 2020. And in 2016, Ooh. they said 99% of all the exploits will have been known by more than a year by the time they get exploited. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a good prediction. I think it's probably true. I'm not sure how they exactly measured the 99%. Uh, but I think there's the, that's going to be a, an ongoing issue that uh, it's always playing catch-up. Uh, the challenge will not go down. I fully agree with uh, with Kevin on that one. I would also hope that the industry collaboration cooperation uh, becomes deeper. It's already happening. I think there will be a, a stronger turn towards um, automating a lot of tasks with AI, ML, machine learning uh, capabilities because the, uh, the the talent shortage is so massive that uh, only only automation can help uh, drive down uh, the risk and uh, and the impact from from individual breaches.
1: Thank you very much. Very well put. I've heard that it was something like 90 weeks that uh, yeah, until discovery, and, and it can take less than five days for something to be infiltrating for a, a worm or other intrusion to infiltrate a data system in a company so it's scary thank you so much for that Michael I want to thank Kevin D Heckel at Deloitte Ted Keniston at Protivity Michael Goals at SAP the team that sponsors this series Financial Excellence with Game Changers Birgit Starman's put together this panel great job Birgit really smart guys Chris Grundy sponsors the series a shout out to Aaron our engineer at the Business Channel he's not feeling good today we hope you feel better Aaron so go clear up that cold because we want to hear your voice again I'm Bonnie D. Graham here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and protect your data, for goodness sake, and be a game changer today, just like Kevin Heckel at Deloitte, just like Ted Keniston at Protivity, and just like Michael Goals at SAP. Be back tomorrow with two live shows, Coffee Break with Game Changers, 11 a.m., and I think we have the, oh, uh, Predictive Machine Learning, one of our new series at 2 p.m. Eastern here on the Business Channel. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.